This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, it's Jerry with Hillbilly Horror Stories, and I'm actually sitting in with a legend in the paranormal world, Mr. Bobby Mackey, who is the owner of uh, Bobby Mackey's Music World, the most haunted nightclub in the United States. Bobby, can you say a big hi to all the fans out there that, that absolutely love you in Hillbilly Horror Land? Hey folks, I'm Bobby Mackey here in Wilder, Kentucky, and we want to send out a, a big hello to all of our paranormal fans out there. Hey guys, welcome to episode 249 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, tonight's episode, out of everyone that we've ever done, I think I got more enjoyment and satisfaction out of researching this one. Well, dang. So. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's, I think it's going to be very enlightening for a lot of people. But first of all. We want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys, gals, service animals, for everything you do to help keep us safe. Yes, we appreciate you guys so, so much. And um, just come home soon, and thank you for keeping us safe. You're in our prayers. Also, we want to mention that if you are struggling at this time, you're having some maybe some issues with personal problems at home. Maybe it's your work life is giving you some uh, some mental anguish, so to speak. We advise you to reach out and talk to somebody. Now that could be Tracy or myself. It could be somebody from the group. It could be one of your friends or family members. What we want you to remember is that you are not a burden. If you're going through some things, people would rather hear from you than to read about you in an obituary. Absolutely. Uh, we all have our days that we feel down and stuff, and you know, but better days are ahead. And please give us a call day or night. Um, if you need our phone numbers, we can give them to you as well. Um, also, um, reach out to the group, they're always there for you. And But if you would rather call the 800 number, it's 273-8255, or you can text the 741-741. But please reach out. Tracy, on tonight's episode, at, after we do uh, the actual story, we're going to have Robin Troop from mm-hmm. Vacation Experts. He is the one that set up the cruise with us, and he comes on the show with us. He's a very funny guy. Yes, he is. Very and funny. we talk haunted Bahamas. So we talk about a bunch of places in the Bahamas that are haunted, uh, and we talk about the actual cruise itself, and he breaks down some questions that people may have, uh, everything from... Uh, vaccines to what's included in the price and how many mm-hmm. cabins are available. Uh, so you'll get a little bit of haunted talk with, uh, and he plus he's got a couple of personal stories from when he was a kid. Oh, nice! At a playing at a graveyard that was just right up the street from his house. 
So he's got some uh, some urban legends from that neck of the woods. Oh, cool, man! But yeah, it's gonna it's a, it's a pretty fun talk and it's pretty enlightening. Like I said, if you got questions about the cruise, we probably answered it because we took questions all throughout the week and I asked him everything that I possibly could. Oh, good. So and you get some haunted Bahamas at the same time, so it's not strictly a yeah like a cruise thing. Yeah, it's good to know. As usual, this episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. The Number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States. Top 10 of all hot sauces. And Tracy, they focus on the flavor, not the heat. That's why they are hashtag king of flavor. And you can find those at most leading grocery stores. You can find them in a lot of uh, restaurants, too, as we oh, found yeah. out. We but, had one one person found it in a, was it a hotel room? Yeah, I think so. It was, it was at the hotel, yeah. like the, the complimentary breakfast. <laughs> or not. And they looked it up and they found it in a the cabinet, they said. They said they yeah. opened the cabinet and there it was. <laughs> this is like long bottle of you, hell you could take of. <laughs> and if you can't buy it in your grocery store, just go to lyoucouldtakeout.com. You can get everything from all seven flavors to merchandise to you name it, it's there. Absolutely. Guys, give it a try if you haven't. All right. Are we ready to get into this? I am so ready. I'm about to pee my pants. But we can take a break if we need to. Okay. I'll hold it. I'll sit on my foot. (laughs) So we've done one episode on near-death experiences. And we're going to rehash a little bit about near-death in in this episode. In several cases of near-death experiences, people report seeing a white light. We've all heard that. Mm Mm-hmm. Or relatives that have passed on, that have come back to uh, maybe get them right before they are yanked back into their bodies. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, because it's a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. Some report out-of-body experiences. And this is where maybe they hover over top of their body and they can see the doctors and nurses feverishly working on them. Near-death experiences are not a new phenomenon, Socrates actually had a near-death experience. No way. And a gentleman by the name of Pliny the Elder had one all the way back in the first century. First century? first century. Oh my gosh, that just sounds so weird. So history is filled with these type of, of encounters. And they've had people that have, you know, fallen off cliffs and they've experienced a bliss mm-hmm. instead of us you know as they're falling they're not thinking like oh god i'm about to hit the yeah they're not floor. thinking that well you would think they would be just yeah filled with terror but instead they're filled with bliss and people seem to be enthralled by these type of experiences mm-hmm. which is you know well there's been so many books on the subject and mm-hmm. like i said we've done an episode so you might have already known obviously about near-death experiences but there is another phenomenon along the same lines it's kind of tied in, but it's called shared death experiences. Shared? Shared death experiences. Okay. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of like, let's just say you had a dream mm-hmm. and you was able to pull somebody into that dream. So think about that. So you're dreaming. Okay. And you pulled me into your dream and now we're... So now you're a part of my dream. Yeah, now I'm part of your dream. That's, Do you realize you're a part of my dream? Yes. Okay. And that's kind of what happens here. According to an organization called Shared Crossing Project, shared death experiences are profound experiences whereby one or more loved ones, caregivers, or even bystanders have reported sharing a dying person's transition to the initial stages of an afterlife. Oh, my gosh. 
Such experiences typically include a theme of a journey, as experiencers commonly report seeing or otherwise sensing dying patients or loved ones moving towards a destination typically characterized as a transcendent light. Shared death experiences are remarkably similar to near-death experiences. No shared death experiences are exactly the same. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I wonder if the person that's that it's sharing with thinks that they're actually that they're actually passing. In some cases, and I've got a bunch of different experiences uh, to talk about tonight, and a bunch of different examples. So a person who experiences one or two of the elements that we're getting ready to talk about receives profound benefits. Oh. And we'll talk about that a little more as we get into it. But these are the type of shared death experiences uh, that there are, that they come because they break them down into subcategories. And the first type of shared death experience is called bedside. This happens when you're at the bedside of a dying person. As we talk about these different types of, of shared death experiences, I'm going to give you some brief stories that show the type of experience, and then uh, we'll have some more in-depth stories a little bit later. So for a bedside example, a woman named Christina said she was sitting bedside with a woman that was near death. Christina said, then I got this feeling. It was different than any other moment that I had ever experienced. I just knew it was near her time. Right then I said, I'm here. God's here. I felt light. It felt like that the whole room was weightless. I was weightless. I saw her go towards the light but I didn't see her face. It was like I saw something go towards and I just knew it was her. It happened really fast and later I was like, how long did this actually take mm-hmm. to happen? But that's just a, a, a quick example of bedside. Like I said, we'll get yeah, into some right. deep stories. The second type is called remote. And the majority of shared death experiences are reported by individuals that were physically distant from the dying patient or loved one at the time of the death. So they weren't anywhere Near. close to them. Mm-hmm. Sally's story is an example of this. So one day after our visit, I had a dream that night. I was with her at the apartment. She was young and beautiful and happy. Her sister was with her. I looked at the clock on the wall and it said 3 p.m. When I woke up, I knew she had passed. When I arrived at the facility... One of the nurses informed me that she had passed during the night. I asked him to look up the time, and the time of the passing was recorded at 3 a.m. Dang, on. The third type of experience is called a flyby. Now, this is, a re- this is also a remote, but it's a very specific type of remote where the people are briefly visited by the spirit of the dying person en route to wherever it is that they're going once they've left this world. Many flybys will include personal messages of gratitude and love. Carl had an experience like this. Carl says, I just had this profound shift happen like this feeling of being with my father came to me. Not like being with my father earlier this year on the porch, but being with my father as it felt when I was just a boy. I just knew that it was fine. Everything was fine. He was there with me. He was on his way to the next thing, whatever that is. Cool. That'd be an awesome feeling yeah. to have. 
So here's a few subcategories of shared death. You've got an early. Early, these occur shortly before the actual time of death. So, mm-hmm. so they're not dead yet, but their, bo- their, their spirit leaves their body and makes contact with you. Oh, dang. Delayed. These are shortly after death. So they just passed away and then they come see you. Because we're talking about the shared death usually is at the exact moment. I wonder who they decide they go to. I don't know. Because remember, we've had that discussion before, like when I've had the incidents happen with Kevin. Yes. And mm-hmm. with Dave Snelling and those things, it was like things happen at the house. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and with Dave, I hadn't talked to Dave in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, why? A, a, All people. You know, yeah. Or maybe there was a whole bunch of people. He went, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. Gradual. Now, I've heard about these before. These experiences actually take place over a few days. And we've done some stories before where somebody had passed away. And then over the next two, three days, they will kind of show themselves to people. But right. it doesn't happen at one time ago. It, mm-hmm. It'll happen over a couple of days and just kind of stops. I remember we did a story one time where it was at a, um, it was at a funeral. And or, or it was like the wake after the funeral and they were like at their grandparents' house uh-huh. and they saw their grandmother. And then they saw their grandfather who had passed away uh-huh. a couple of years earlier, but they saw their grandmother. It was like a two or three day period and they kept seeing her and then she just yeah. stopped appearing. Amazing. Then you have multiple experiences. These experiences are reported by more than one caregiver or loved one around the death of a dying person. So let's say somebody passes away and you have an experience with them. I have an experience. And then maybe somebody else has mm-hmm. an experience at a different house. Gosh. So what are some of the things that you might experience during one of these shared death experiences? Well, obviously, you have visions of the dying person. That's mm-hmm. that's number one. Uh, most of the time, the dying person though, appears to be younger and more vibrant than they are at their time of their death. It's usually a, a happier Younger have, version. Yeah, have their time in their life or maybe or something. You see a vision or an appearance of a transcendent light. You sense an unseen presence. And sometimes you sense unusual energies. So you just something just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. You have changes in time and space, which we talked about like sometimes like the clocks will stop or something oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. You will encounter, have an encounter with spirits that you might consider to be angels. You will see sometimes the spirit of the person leave the body. And we're going to talk about some of that. Dude, that would be very sad, but very amazing at the same time. You might see the appearance of previously deceased loved ones. I've done some research on this, and we actually, there was a bunch of stories, and I didn't choose uh, any here for this particular one, but there were some stories out there where the person in the room could see someone that, like, I think the example that she'd given was, it was an older woman that was passing away, and she could see the man that was, you know, in a hat and, and older with a beard. And then later she saw a picture of her and her husband who had passed away a couple of years earlier. And it was him that she saw. Oh, so, so he came actually, to greet yeah. her, I yeah. guess. That's sweet. Some people see an otherworldly 
uh, object or they see like a heavenly realm that they can, they you know, that everything's beautiful. It's in layers and all that. Tunnels or gateways are sometimes seen. And then they have people that have a sudden onset of physical symptoms that would correspond to those of the dying person at the time of their death. And one of our stories that we're going to cover here in a little bit, actually our first story, is a perfect example of that. And then last, you see life reviews involving the dying person. And what this would be is let's say you had a friend that passed away. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know they passed away. Yeah. Okay. But at the time of their passing, what you would you would just all of a sudden just get this onslaught of memories for them, you know. Oh, yeah, it's just gotcha. say it's you know somebody named Tina. Yeah, make up a name. All of a sudden you remember, hey, this time when me and Tina went to oh, the yeah. park, and this time when me and Tina went on a cruise, and this time when it just like it's like you just get all these rash of memories. Yeah, like random. And, and then stuff. you find out at the time you got those memories that was at passed. the time that Tina passed away. Oh man, so. That's that's uh, that's pretty cool, actually. You guys may hear a weed eater in the background. No. <laughs> we can't keep our neighbors from doing their lawns, apparently. So. <laughs> it's not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, no. Just a weed eater. Even though I am sitting next to a life-size <laughs> cardboard cutout of Leatherface. As I said before, a lot of people that have had these near-death experiences or these sure-death experiences, they have they experience one or more of the things that we just talked about mm-hmm. but they also get these huge benefits in their life and here are some of the benefits that some of these people have gotten certainty of an afterlife yeah that's so that's a good one they have this experience yeah. and they, they know from that point on fact, to them right. there is an afterlife and i've talked about that several times mm-hmm. in my situations reconciliation of grief you don't grieve as much as you are happy that they are in a better place and you know that they're waiting for you. Oh. So it cuts the grieving process yeah. down tremendously. Loss of fear of death. You no longer care if you die or not because you know there's something else out there out there out for you, you know. Yeah. So. A renewed sense of purpose in life. So you get this and then all of a sudden you come back and you're like, you know what? I need to quit this. I need yeah. to quit all this bad stuff I've been doing. And I, I, I just, you know, I need to have approach life with a little more vigor. Absolutely. That, that will be helpful to a lot of people for sure. Tracy, do you want to hear a few stories about shared death experiences? Oh, sure. All right. I alluded to the, the first story a few seconds ago, and I said we were going to get in detail. This is the story of Ann Cap. And at first I thought it was Andy Cap, and I thought, great, I love hot fries. Oh, don't you, though? But mm. this is Ann Cap, not Andy Cap. Okay. Ann Cap's story. Ann says that she felt her mother's death, even though she was thousands of miles away in an entirely different country. Mm. So Ann was extremely close to her mother, and Ann was born in the United States, but eventually moved to England. She worked for a telecommunications company over there. On December 26th, the day after Christmas, 2004, her mom got very sick at her home in Portland, Oregon, and she was hospitalized. Over the next few days, her organs began to shut down. Anne says that she wasn't aware that her mother was dying, but in a strange way, she kind of was. She said she knew that her mom was sick, but 
she couldn't get a flight home because it was the holiday season, so all she could do pretty much was just sit and wait to hear what the doctors had to say. She was in her London office with a client one day, and she started to gag and struggle to breathe, and was um, confused, really, because she was in great health, so she didn't and hadn't had any kind of symptoms. She yeah. don't know why she would have mm-hmm. had this happen. She struggled for about 25 minutes to get air, and she had a growing sense of dread about her mother the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's like this kicked into her. She felt and heard the strange gurgling in her throat. So she started coughing and gagging and had a deep growing sadness. She quickly rescheduled her client and left work and got to her house as fast as she possibly could. And she called her mom's hospital room. That's when she found out that her mom was gasping for air and barely clinging to life. Her mother passed away while she was on the phone. Oh, my goodness. I was sitting there wondering, too, was her client with her while she was doing all that, you know? Yeah, her client was with her. I mean, what was her... I don't know. I imagine, you know, I imagine it would be like when you just get something stuck in your throat and you right. have to keep clearing your throat and all that stuff, but... Like you were doing this morning? Yes, Good exactly. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways... Her mom passed away, and she's now convinced that she was actually feeling what her mother was feeling at the exact same time, even though back then she kind of denied it because she was agnostic and she didn't believe in an afterlife. So to her, that couldn't have been possible. But as time has went on... She's a believer now. She's a believer that there was no way she could have just randomly experienced the same thing that her mother was experiencing... Thousands of miles away in a completely Well, that's incredible. Country. She now does uh, therapy in London, and she wrote a book called Beyond Goodbye, an extraordinary true story of a shared death experience. She said it wasn't a blissful experience. She was actually suffocating, and it was miserable. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? That's just... That's crazy to me. Did This next story, it's kind of funny. This is what I wrote. I wrote, this one's really short, but very cool. Mm -hmm. But then I started writing it, and then I got deeper and deeper into it, and it's like the longest story I got. So (laughs) so it's really not short. (laughs) Jeff Olson was in a horrible automobile accident. Now, unfortunately, his wife and son, infant son, were killed on impact. Oh, my gosh. Jeff was rushed to the hospital, and while he was in the ER with the staff, Trying to revive him, Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll, another doctor at the hospital, showed up. And Dr. Driscoll had never met Jeff. And a nurse grabbed him and said, hey, you've got to come see this. His wife is in here. (gasps) Holy what? The doctor walks into the ER room where Jeff Olson is being cared for. And he sees a woman floating above Olson's gurney. Stop it. She looked at Dr. Driscoll intently and then disappeared. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine seeing such a thing? He said he knew it had to be Jeff's wife expressing gratitude to the staff for saving her husband. Now, that's initially where that ended, mm-hmm. where I said it was short. Right. But then I started digging into it, and I decided to do it all. So, okay. there's more. Okay. So, the nurse that went and grabbed the doctor's name was Rachel. She had confided in the doctor uh, sometime earlier that she could sometimes see things 
that other people couldn't see. And she was even more surprised that Dr. Driscoll revealed that he sometimes could see things as well. Which basically is the reason that she went and grabbed that doctor. Because she saw it and she knew he could see things too. Oh, so, so she knew that. She knew that already, so she went and grabbed him. Oh, so he has experienced that at other times. Yes. With other people. Yes. Wow. So, by the way, Jeff also had an, an older son who survived the crash. Oh, okay. So, Jeff Olson said that during this time that he arrived at the hospital, he was not in his body. So, when his body arrived at the hospital, according to him, he wasn't in the body. He said that he felt no pain and he experienced weightlessness. Mm-hmm. He said that his spirit moved freely throughout the halls of the hospital, observing all the people around there. And he finally reached a room and there was a body to which he felt no kind of um, connection to. Okay. The patient was in terrible shape. Crushed legs, right arm almost ripped off. Oh, Lord. Damage to abdomen. Doctors were running all around, doing everything they possibly can to to save this patient. And then he realized it was him. <gasps> Why he, he didn't he have no him. connection, though? Well, I don't know. He said he, he only realized it because he recognized his face, and now he was horrified. Can you, that would be that would be horrifying to see that. I mean, can you imagine looking at yourself all mangled like that? Well, and then on top of that, he's like... I mean, I don't want to go back into that. Yeah. Is is basically what he thought. But then he remembered the the details of the accident. So his family was driving back from visiting relatives in Utah. Now he lived in Utah also, but they were in like a, a different part of the state. Okay. So he went mm-hmm. down to visit them and they were they were coming back. His wife Tamara was asleep and his seven year old son Spencer, which is the one who made it, was in the back seat playing with toys. And their toddler, Griffin, was asleep in the car seat. He had so slowly started nodding off, and he lost control of the car. The car rolled over several times. Windows busted out. The car flipped, like I said, several times. And Jeff eventually became unconscious. He then felt horrible pain, and he could hear his seven-year-old crying. And then everything went black. He wondered where his family was and if they were safe. Then a sudden calm came over him. The pain was gone, and then he was floating over top of the car. Before he could react, he felt a presence, and he said it was his wife. They were encircled in a bubble of light that he says was emanating complete peace. He said he knew she was gone, but it was as if his grief was suspended. So he knows... That she's passed. He, right. That she's passed, and it was his fault, basically. Yeah. Even though it was an accident. But he didn't feel that grief at that second. Mm-hmm. All he felt was serenity. He wondered if they were on their way to heaven. Nope. Because Tamara looked sternly at him and said, Jeff, you cannot be here. You have to go back. And he thought, how could I? His wife was here, but then he remembered his son's cries. He was alive, and he needed Jeff. He had to make a choice. He pulled his wife close. He said goodbye to her, and he let go. He then felt himself drifting away from Tamara. So now he is in the hospital over his body, and he 
chose to tw- to move towards his body. Mm-hmm. He said the first thing that he noticed was the heaviness, and then the horrifying pain. Oh wow! But the worst part was the guilt. The guilt of his wife and son being gone hit him like a tidal wave. Jeff did make a complete recovery after months in the hospital and 18 surgeries. One of his legs had to be amputated. Aww. A few months later, Dr. Driscoll and Rachel came into the hospital room and they told Jeff what they saw that day. <gasps> wow. Jeff then told them of his experience. Dr. Driscoll said that he and Jeff had an an amazing bond and that they are still friends even today. 20 years after this accident, Tamara came to the doctor because Jeff was actually getting ready to move out of out of the town where they were in. Mm-hmm. So Cam, uh, Tamara came to Dr. Driscoll and he said he knew this because he felt a godlike presence and then he heard her voice. And she said, don't lose touch with him, Jeff. What? What? Cold chills. Oh, my goodness. So you can see why I ended up doing that whole story. Yes. But. So I guess the little boy was okay. Yes. Oh, that's good. Well, I think think that little boy would have been like 27. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, something hard to live with, you know. Yeah, that would be tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got all the physical injuries. You've lost your wife. You've lost your child. Mm-hmm. You've got the guilt that goes along with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. William Peters said that he was working as a volunteer when an experience changed his life. He had a patient named Ron. Ron had stomach cancer. Ron had very few visitors, so William would come in about three hours a day, four or five times a week. He would sit at his bedside, and he would usually read to him. Mm-hmm. So one day around noon, William came, and he sat down. Ron was semi-unconscious on this day. He was very frail. William started reading Call of the Wild by Jack London uh, to Ron. What happened next was something out of a movie, practically. William said he felt a force jerk his spirit upward and out of his body. He was now floating above Ron's bed. He said he was looking down on the dying man, and then he looked next to him, only to see Ron floating there next to him. (laughs) He said Ron gave him this happy, content look as if to say, check this out, here we are. Mm -hmm. William said he then felt his spirit drop back into his body again, the whole experience happened in a split second, and he said Ron died a few minutes later. So there's a perfect example of the bedside. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The deal. Wow. So we've had the bedside one. We've had the the uh, remote one because the lady felt her the mm-hmm. choking sensation and stuff all the way away from her. Yeah. You know, and then we we've had the floating over the top of your body and and um, two two people experiencing that at the same time. So yeah, that was the multiple people because the doctor, the nurse, and her husband were all part of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that 
you know, at first it have, would have to freak you out. You're thinking, okay, I've, I've passed away, you know, just like weird. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was perfectly fine. Now I'm floating around with this other guy. But I guess after you realize what's happening, it's probably a pretty cool experience. And, and they may not want to go back, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. All right, so here's the last one. This one's a really cool story. This is the story of what happened to Jan and John Price in December of 1993. So the couple, they were retired, older couple, and they would just enjoy each other's company. They loved nature. They would take a long walk every single day uh, around their neighborhood. And, and a lot of their neighborhood was kind of, it wasn't like your typical subdivision. It was a lot of woods and trees mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was really, really nice nature type place. Now on this day... They walked past the house that they'd been by many times. And this time, though, a dog, smaller dog, came out and bit Jan on the leg. And then just turned around and went right back into the yard <laughs> like nothing. Rude. And it broke the skin. Mm-hmm. And her husband, you know, it's like, he's like, you know, what well, do you want to go back to the house? And she's like, well, I guess I should because it just ruined my favorite pair of sweatpants. Yeah. And it's bleeding, so mm-hmm. need to go back. And, and so they go back to the house. They call, they, apparently they knew the neighbor. They call the neighbor to ask that the, if the dog had its shots and everything. They wanted to make sure everything was cool with that. And the neighbors assured them that it did. But shortly after the attack, Jan started to feel sick, which is very surprising because her husband said she never got sick. And when he says never, she'd only been in the hospital twice before, and both times is when she gave birth to their children. Mm-hmm. Children, so. mm-hmm. and she just said something seemed funny. She was having starting to have some pain in her arm, and you know, John said she'd never she wasn't on any kind of medication whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So he calls an ambulance, and as the call comes in to the the. Uh, EMTs, Carl and Melody are the ones who got the call. Carl told Melody that he was very uneasy about this. For whatever reason, something just, there was like a weird extra sense of urgency in him. And he said they needed to go. And they normally would have waited for one other person and had a full crew. But he said, we need to go now. So they get in the vehicle and they go. Jan said at this point, she still had pain, but she was starting to kind of, I guess, distance herself. Maybe she was starting to kind of pass out a little bit. The EMTs arrive. Melody asked Jan how she's feeling. And Mel- or Jan says that her lips feel numb. So Melody asked if she could walk to the gurney. And Jan said, yes, she could walk to the, the gurney. But as she started to walk, she got dizzy. And as she got to the, to the gurney, she kind of collapsed on it and passed out. Mm-hmm. Nody said that her eyes were rolling back in her head as she laid her down. She couldn't feel any kind of pulse on her. Carl said that during a cardiac arrest situation like this, you have to act fast because you have a minimum of, or a maximum of four to six minutes before death, usually, and then... Once the body goes without oxygen for four minutes, then you start having brain damage and stuff yeah. like that. So you got to jump. Melanie began CPR. Carl got the paddles out from the defibrillator. That's the point where John, who was 
you know, they're working on his wife. He's over in a chair. He's not even, you know, really close to her. He's letting them do their work. But he sees Jan slowly rise up out of her body. So she didn't raise up. Her spirit came out. He said she looked full flesh and she was wearing a green flowing gown. Jan said that she remembers floating above the scene and watching the EMTs working on her. She saw her body, and she said she knew that she wasn't in it. In some near-death experiences, people come in contact with deceased friends or relatives. We talked about that. In Jan's case, she was greeted by Maggie, her cocker spaniel, who had passed away three weeks earlier. John said that he saw the dog appear next to the gurney as they were working on her. So the dog just shows up. Jan said that she was moving into another room, and that's when she saw Maggie. She said that the dog was so excited, it showed great joy and happiness, as if it was it was saying, oh, great, I get to see you again. Mm-hmm. Jan said the dog led her to other realms, where she learned incredible life-changing lessons. Jan said that there are many different planes of existence, And this earth is just one of them. She said she was told that the the true joy of life is the experience experience of life. And that that's the way you should live it. That makes sense. Carl's charging the paddle. And Melanie tells, uh, or starts talking to Jan. She said that in heart attack victims, they can still hear you. So it's Mm -hmm. something that they typically try to do during the process is is to talk to the patient. Melanie said, Jan, it's not time to go yet. Get back in your body. She said she kind of yelled it. Mm -hmm. Get back in your body. Jan said she felt a pulling sensation back towards her body. They set the defibrillator to 360, and they hit her with that, and that was the highest that they went. I don't know how high a defibrillator will go, but they said 360 was the highest they, they had used on her. Melanie called her name again, and that's when she heard the first beep. On the machine. They rushed her to a nearby soccer field where she was airlifted to a hospital in San Antonio, Texas, and treated for a heart attack. Now, that alone would be a cool story, but there's more. Because the doctor who treated her, he came out and told John that her heart was only functioning at 10%, and they really didn't know if she'd make it or not. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty low number. And it would be a long road uh, to toll just to see what would happen. Yeah. Well, the next day around noon, the doctor comes in and he says her heart was working at 90%. He shook his head and said he didn't understand how this could happen. It was a remarkable recovery. So the EMT said that Jane was able to tell them in explicit detail exactly what they did to her. So their bodies shielded John from seeing what they were doing, so he couldn't have told her because he didn't know. Mm -hmm. And the only way she could have known was to actually be above them. Oh, God. That is so cool. Now, on on the devil's advocate side, people see the white lights, they see the relatives, they see all this stuff. And scientists say that they believe that in these near-death experience uh, visions, that they're more hallucinations 
that your brain causes to make the transition of death easier. It's like your brain feeds you LSD mm-hmm. during the time of death so you don't struggle as much with the uh. death. But that doesn't explain shared death experiences when her husband is seeing a dog show up and then she wakes up and says, hey, I saw the dog. They both saw it. It doesn't explain situations like we talked about where the guy was, you know, next to Ron waiting when he was next to Ron and he's up there floating above both seeing. And it doesn't explain, which I guess I could say is a coincidence, you know, how Anne was in a whole different country and starts choking at the exact Mm -hmm. time that her mom is is choking and, and gurgling and all that. So it's just like how do how does fate choose who experiences that stuff? Who knows? Maybe it just has to do with how open people are. That could be true, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Those are some amazing stories. Yeah, I thought it was for but I think I think those stories are enlightening. I think those stories could give people Hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe somebody out there listening is on the edge yeah. of whether there's an afterlife or not. And then maybe these stories, you know, it's like, you know, man, maybe, maybe this does, you know, it resonates with them. Because I know when we started doing this podcast, I had heard stories of reincarnation or about, re- I knew what reincarnation was. I really hadn't heard any stories, in-depth stories about it. I just knew that some people believed reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't something I ever believed. It wasn't in my belief system. But now I 100% beyond a shadow mm-hmm. of a doubt in my mind believe in reincarnation. Yeah, I but, absolutely feel that way too. I mean, we've just done so many stories that mm-hmm. have so many details that you wouldn't be able to know. I mean, how, what else can you call it? I mean, how else would you explain it? Right. I mean, how can a three-year-old kid take people to a, a, a town a couple miles over that he's never been to and... Find a body of somebody that was murdered and tell who the murderer was. I mean, how can that happen? That, that is insane. I mean, I don't know. It's all so mind-blowing to me. So, Very interesting stuff. Well, Tracy, we're going to take a really quick break for a sponsor, and then we're going to be back to uh, talk about Patreon and stuff. And we've got the Robin Troop conversation that you guys like from vacation expert we'll talk about some haunted bahamas but we'll be right back tracy i want to say thank you to rachel clarkson she sent us one of those uh what are those things called pop the pops yeah the it's the uh exorcist reagan from the exorcist linda blair's uh, it's version. cool yes and we put it on our podcast table. So it's very cool thank you rachel thank that you. Was appreciate very, that. yeah very sweet of you to do that it's very cool I want to say that we are down to the last 17 tickets for the show in St. Augustine. Okay, good. And connected to that, we only had 30 tickets to be able to sell for the Lighthouse Tour. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm sorry, the Lighthouse Investigation. And uh, we were almost out. We were down to two tickets left. And Diane from History Goes Bump was able to get on the phone with the Lighthouse and say, look, we've got a lot bigger demand than we thought we were going to have. They wanted to keep it at 30, and she got them to raise it to 50. No way. Yes. Whoa, so we're going to have Diane. an additional 20 tickets. I mean, heck, we're months away still, and we were practically sold out. Yeah. So if you guys want Woo-hoo. to get on board, and I think that's only like $45, mm-hmm. you get to a two-hour investigation of the Lighthouse 
after hours, it's private. It's only us there. Nice. So go ahead and uh, you can you can get those. Go to HippolyteHorrorStories.com. Uh, and on the events page, I've got a link. And that takes you over to Diane's PayPal where you can get uh-huh. that taken care of. How exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. I am too. And like I said, now there's only 17 tickets left for the for that show, the live event. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll sell out both of those, no doubt. Well, good. I hope so. And then, uh, of course, we got Galveston. we got Bobby Mackey's. We've got the Memphis uh, little private dinner thing with Tracy and myself. Uh-huh. That's in the middle of the week. That's on a Tuesday. So <laughs> that's how we roll, middle of that's the week. How, that is how we roll. <laughs> And then, obviously, we've got the cruise, which we're not going to touch much on that because we'll hear plenty about right. that with uh, Robin in a second. Amazing. Right. All this fun stuff coming. So excited. Yes, it's going to be fun. All right, Tracy, what do we got? Do we have any uh, iTunes reviews this week? We do. We have Bella Edson, Mojo Lobster, Jen Pill, and Amaron. I hope I said that right. Thank you guys. Your reviews are really, really nice, and we appreciate y'all so, so much. I want to say, because I don't think we said this back then, Jen Peel, since we brought her up, she sent us a pillow with a Maltese on it at Christmas time. Oh, I love that thing. Matter of fact, it's still out. Yeah, it's not even Christmas, but... But it's so cute. Our tree stayed up till March. (laughs) So, but yeah, it's... uh, but. I don't know if we mentioned that before, but now that I heard her name, I wanted to make sure that she got recognition. Yeah, that. that was so sweet of you to do that. We love that pillow. It was funny. She posted a picture that she had ordered one because she's got a Maltese. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I like that. And she said, I ordered one for you and Tracy. Aww. So I commented and she had already ordered one. Isn't so. that the sweetest? Thank yeah. you, guys. You guys are amazing. What do we got Patreon-wise? We have nothing. But that's right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hey. Guess, I guess the show will be a little shorter than we thought. <laughs> no, yeah. That's okay. Hey. If you got to take a break, that's cool. We just th- love you that you guys are listening, and we just appreciate y'all more than you'll ever know. All right, guys. Let's listen to Robin Troop. And try to listen to this all the way through if you can, because I think you'll enjoy it even. Yeah. If you've got any kind of aspirations of maybe going on a cruise, this will answer all of your questions. So if you're kind of on the edge and trying to decide... Uh, this would be a good time because he talks about the limited capacity and everything that's included. So you'll have fun with this one. Hey, guys, we are back with a special guest. I promised this one to you. I've got Robin Troop on from Vacation Experts. He is the one that is guiding us through and helping us with this cruise. Robin, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks a lot. Hi, everybody. So, Robin... We approached this, what, about uh, about a month ago, four weeks ago, and said, hey, I, I got a, an idea. You said I can help you with it. Uh, tell me where we're at right now on numbers. All right. Uh, it's been crazy. I mean, it's been fabulous how many people uh, want to get involved with this cruise. We currently have 72 cabins <laughs> and a total of 151 people. So most of the cabins just have two people in them, but some have three and four. And uh, we still have a few cabins to sell if people want to uh, buy. We've still got them available. And we're going to talk some paranormal. And then we're going to talk a little bit about specifics on the cruise. We've got some questions, obviously, that people have. But okay, baby, let's fire away. I, I, as I told people before, you love the paranormal. You listen yes. to the show and, and uh, you're fascinated by it. You've got a couple of stories from uh, your hometown. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I'm from Western Kentucky, Madisonville, Kentucky's town. I actually grew up in the country. 
And four houses down from where I grew up is a cemetery. It's the Grapevine Cemetery. If you look it up on the internet, Google Grapevine Cemetery, Madisonville, Kentucky. And it'll talk about the angel. There's an angel that's uh, about 15 feet up in the air. It's been there forever. And she has eyes that you would swear are real and that she's looking at you. Nowhere, no matter where you stand, she is looking at you. Now, these eyes are so real looking that my mother, when she was a little girl back in the 40s, actually climbed up on and <laughs> see if the angel's eyes were real. Uh, so the angel's been there a long time. Part of her arm has fallen off and part of her wing has fallen off. And there's several different stories, uh, the paranormal stories, which I haven't seen, but people say that she cries tears of blood. That's one story. Another story is that she has haunted this young boy who committed suicide in the cemetery and that he comes out on a full moon and haunts people. Uh, so that's some of the stories that's going on down there. Uh, all I know is her eyes look real. And uh, as a little kid, I played all around the cemetery, not thinking about the paranormal stuff. But I was always looking up at her eyes. She was always watching me. Man. Maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad. She, she had that. But that's my paranormal story from Western Kentucky, the Grapevine Cemetery in Madisonville, Kentucky. Yeah, we'll have to look that one up for sure. Now, let's segue in to we're going to the Bahamas. That's where the cruise goes to. Right. I've had people say, hey, is there some haunted places down there? And if so, is it possible that maybe we can set up some kind of group tour or something, which we'll work on. But it did lead me to start doing some research as to some haunted places. So we're going to talk about a few of the haunted places uh, in the Bahamas. Now, we're going to breeze through these because I got a bunch of stuff that I want to ask Robin about, but we just did a Patreon episode on this entire uh, list and we went into detail on each one of them. Okay. But I think, I guess the first thing we need to bring up is we're going to be traveling straight through a very famous uh, uh, geometrical shape, I guess we'll say. That's right. So, so we're going the straight Bermuda Triangle, baby. Straight through the Bermuda Triangle. And where else would you expect a paranormal cruise to, to go to? That's right. Uh, it's a, a unique area. You know, it's, a lot of things have been said and done and happened in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, and it's pretty interesting. And the triangle, if people want to know, it pretty much goes uh, from uh, Miami up to Bermuda and then comes back down. So it makes a triangle in that area. So if you were to look at it, it kind of tilts to the left a little bit. Uh, but well, you'll be in it. That's that's definitely for sure. Now, I don't know of any cruise ships that have ever disappeared there. So I think we're in good no. shape. No, we're safe. We're like a big old floating island. Uh, <laughs> and, and the Bahamas, the water is so uh, shallow uh, that if it were to sink, we could probably get off and walk back to the, the island. I mean, it really, there's a lot of places where you know, it's less than 20 feet deep. Oh, nice. You know, how did those big ass ships float in that? Because I noticed, you know, in, in, when we lived in the Virgin Islands, all those cruise ships would come in and some of that water is really shallow. It's like that makes zero sense to me how they can float in, in that kind of water. Yeah, it's an engineering marvel. Uh, it's displacement of the width of the ship with the length and I, I just don't understand it all because I'm not an engineer, but I do know that it has to do with the width and the, the way the ship is built 
because most of the ship is above water. There's very little that's below the water uh, line. So I think the ship needs somewhere around 30, 35 feet to operate in most cases. So they're in a channel most of the time out in the Bahamas, so they don't get in run aground and that kind of stuff. I didn't realize you weren't an engineer, so I'll scratch these next three questions oh, off. Oh, okay. Though. Yeah, scratch those. I'm just a dumb <laughs> accountant, so that's my degree was accountant. So. All right, so... Nassau Paradise Island. Is that is that the technical name or is that two islands or? It's was... actually two islands. Paradise Island, uh, of course, has got the famous Atlantis Resort on it. So people could go over there. The uh, They have a bridge from, uh, I think it's New Providence Island or I think that's the name for Na Nassau's Island. Nassau's the city on New Providence Island. And you can take a, a cab or we can get some vehicles if you want to go over to the Atlantis Resort and some other resorts there. The beaches over there are fabulous. So if somebody's just a beach person and loves the beaches, that's a great area. And of course, Atlantis, if you're a casino person, it's the most beautiful casino in the world. I mean, it is. they spent millions and millions of dollars on this casino at Atlantis. So it's something to see. And I'm sure Tracy will help them get some of that money back. All right, so the first place we're gonna talk about is, is right here in this vicinity. It's the, I think it's called the Watlings Distillery. It might be Waitlings, but I think it's the Watlings Distillery. Right. Now, this place, uh, there's a couple of different things going on there. There's a gentleman who works there back in 2012. He was a, uh, I guess, a, a guard or, a, you know, he traveled traveled around the, the area there, locking up gates and stuff like that, night watchman or whatever you want to call it, security. And <clears throat> he said there was one point he looked up into the trees there was just a woman in white standing there. She was had a flowing dress. It was kind of tattered. And he said that it kind of freaked him out a little bit. And he pointed out, he's like, Hey, I see you. And he said, when she, when he, he did that, she just disappeared. Wow. And he said, but across, you can look behind the place over there. And there's an old, looks like a, a, a building. That's a, a kind of abandoned. He said, but up in the second story window, you can see a woman up there all the time. But he said between, that and the lady in white that he saw in the trees, she visits him four or five nights a week. That's amazing. But he said he's not scared of her. Yeah, he just, she's yeah. just like, she maybe just likes hanging around him or something. But and that's, he isn't doing any of the drinking, sampling. Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think so. He's not drinking the spirits to see a spirit. Right. They do have uh, some rum tasting and stuff there at the distillery, but right. that was that was the best stories that I had about that place. Now, also on this island, you've got three haunted forts. All of them were built during the late 1700s. And what people got to realize, they were all to protect the islands. And it wouldn't necessarily from um, enemies that we would normally think it was from pirates. And they had four forts at one point. And one of the forts was demolished back in the 1800s. Like you said, there's a hotel there now, right. the Hilton, Hilton Hotel. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit a little bit later. But the three forts that are there now are Fort Montague, Fort Fincastle, and Fort Charlotte. Now, the cool thing about Fort Charlotte is it's huge, but it also has a dungeon. All this is open, so you can just see it. If you had an aerial shot of it, it's like there's no, no roofs or anything on there. It's just straight. You can see down and everything. But they've still got the dungeon from the time they were there, and they've got 42 cannons there still on site. Not one time were they fired. Not one oh, time. Really? Wow. And the sa same thing with Fort Fincastle. They, their cannons were never fired there. 
So I thought that was kind of cool. Also on the island, you've got a place called the Cloisters. And it's near the forts. It's a 14th century French monastery. And or that's what was there at one time. But in the 1940s, all the stones were pretty much taken down and, and delivered to the United States. Wow. But there's all these we, there's all kind of these weird sounds and, and stuff that are heard from that place and uh, a monk that people supposedly see. Uh, so that's but that's all all of them right there in that area. And then, of and course, saw is easily to get around. You can easily I mean, the ship will park right there at the pier. Uh, you walk, you're right in the middle of town. So a lot of things are right there in town. And there are cabs available. If we want to do a tour, like a short excursion, we could put one together to hit some of these sites. Uh, Nassau is not a huge island, or New Providence Island, I think is the name of it, uh, is not a huge island. So we can actually hit a lot of those places if y'all want to do that. Awesome. Awesome. So that'd be something we'll put up a poll or something and see what people yeah. want to do. Because, I mean, maybe maybe we just hit one of them or something like it, and then you got time to do the other stuff. We'll, we'll play with the ideas after the fact and see what we can come up with. I definitely want to go to the distillery. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> now, the most famous of all pirates is probably Blackbeard, whose real name, uh, fun fun fact, is Edward Teach. And he is was was all over this island, and supposedly he's still there now. Of course, Blackbeard was decapitated. That was part of the way he was he was killed. And they say that you can see him all, mainly walking the shore with a headless ghost that's obviously in pirate clothing looking for his head. But the other thing is, it's cool, there's these unexplained lights out there and they call them Teach Lights, named after Edward Teach. So that that's the other weird thing about that area there. Are you familiar with Bimini Island? Yes, I am. That's really, that's one of the islands of the Bahamas that's closest to Miami. We'll okay. go past it on the ship, but Bimini is, I think it's about, uh, I think it's 90 miles off the coast of Miami. So it's the closest one. But it would be off limits for like an excursion or something. It's too far away for that. Correct? Right. It, okay. It's actually from the two places we're going, which is Nassau and Grand Bahama Island, which is Freeport. Uh, Bimini would be too far, but there's some other islands that are close to, uh, especially Freeport that we could hit. Well, the reason I bring this one up is there is a, the great Isaac lighthouse and that one sits there and that's got the story of the gray lady. Now, supposedly what happened here, and, and I didn't get a date on this, but I believe it was back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, there was a shipwreck there. And the only surviving member was a child. And wow. supposedly the gray lady is the mother of this child. And she comes back and she searches all around the shoreline looking for her child. And you can hear her crying and moaning out. We could possibly do an excursion if people want to come in early on Saturday, which I recommend at least getting to Miami on Saturday or Sunday for Monday. Uh, cruise getting on the ship on Monday is possibly doing an excursion out of Miami because I know they do have boats that go to Bimini from Miami. Okay. So there could be a possibility that somebody wanted to come in early or do it when they get off the ship on Friday or Saturday at the end of the cruise. But uh, we, I could look into that. I could try okay. to find something. If 
That sounds really cool to go to that lighthouse. Well, the other cool thing, obviously, about Bimini is, you know, you've got what some people think may have been the remnants of Atlantis right there, the Bimini Wall or the Bimini Road, depending on right. what it's named. And that's right there off the coast. That would be kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, how do they explain that? Because, I mean, it's been underwater, and it, but it's clear water. You can see it. Uh, they I don't. don't they, they most people, most geologists try to say that it's an actual, just a, a unique rock formation that just happens to look like a, a road or a wall. And then you've got your conspiracy theorists that say there's no possible way that's what it is. It's, you know, something that was, uh, it, it, a lot of people think it's, they don't know if it's a, a road or if it's actually the top of a wall. So it depends wow. on your, your viewpoint of what it is. If it's top of a wall, that means there's a whole lot buried underneath there. And I don't know how uh, realistic that could be, but I don't know why. I know it's very shallow. That one out there, you could you could see it very good. I mean, water's so clear. But uh, I don't know why people just don't get in there and kind of do a little dig around there, a little archaeological kind they, of dig they, around there. They may not let them. That might yeah, be a deal be. where the Bahamas you might deal with say the no. Bohemian government, and they're yep. they're pretty strict on their stuff there. The next one is on Barry Island. It's called the Stirrup K Lighthouse. That one doesn't have a lot of information. They just say that it's haunted. It's got some strange sounds, some strange happenings around there. And that's really all the information I could dig up on it. Right. Uh, I don't know much about Barry other than I think it's more to the north of Freeport. Uh, but there, it could be reachable. I have to check all that to see if we could reach it from Freeport. Well, most now, of Abacos, these. That area, Abacos is a another great area where a lot of, and I think Berry Island's part of the Coast, which is part of the Bahamas, but it's the northern part of the Bahamas. Right. And it's really shallow up there. So people are worried about water and stuff. I mean, it's only maybe six, seven feet deep. Oh, nice. The water up there. Most of these, I don't think people would be really interested in going to. There's a couple on here. Like, the, I think the, obviously the distillery would be one. And then the last one we'll talk about will probably be one. But the, here we got it here is the Dixon Hill Lighthouse, which is on, this is either Watling Island, and I've also seen it called, I think, uh, San Salvador Island. So okay. I don't know how it's named, but it gave me two different names for the island. But this one's kind of cool. So back in uh, around the 1800s, you had a British sympathizer, and he owned the lighthouse. Well, he eventually left it to his son, Thomas Williams. In the 1950 or 40s or so, he lost a foot in a boating accident. And then he passed away in the 1950s. Now, in the 1950s, about the time he passed away, the U.S. military came in and they were built a tracking station right there at the lighthouse. And they said that since that time, that people that were part of the civilians and part of the military establishment there have seen a one-footed ghost hobbling around the premises on many occasions. So that'd be a good one. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know how close that one is or any of that, but you know, that's, that's got that military tracking station there. That might not be something that's not even on, on the limits to be able to do. So, right. Here's the last one. And this one, this one is the most famous of all, all the haunted places. It's in uh, uh, Dunmore Town on Harbor Island. And get this, it's called The Haunted House. <laughs> <laughs> now, the story on this one goes, in the mid-1940s, about 1945 or so, 
this couple got married. They moved into the house. It's their dream house. It's beautiful. It's paradise. They move in. Somehow, some they got in this huge argument. The wife left. Then the husband left. And they were never seen again. And the house, I mean, they the, when people went in there, the, their wedding gifts were still in there. There was table set, food on the stove. Everything was there except for them. And nobody ever heard from them again. Well, in the 1960s, another couple bought the house. And they had a few issues uh, just before they moved in. And the wife said, hey, this place is haunted. I'm not moving in. And they didn't move in. So supposedly, this house has been vacant since the 40s when that couple left, the original couple. And uh, now they do tours and everything of it like that. But it's pretty much left as it was in 1945. I'm, I'm assuming the food's not still on the, the table and stuff. Yeah. But supposedly everything that's the is the way it was when they walked out in 1945. Wow. That would be pretty cool to go check out. There's a lot of people that claim that they think that maybe they – just walked off into the water, drowned themselves or whatever. But supposedly uh, there is a male and female spirit that is seen on a regular basis there, usually by kids that are playing in the area. Well, they always say kids can see the spirits better than us. Yep. So I think that's, so that's what we got there. I, I, we could narrow it down to a couple. Uh, the St. Isaac's uh, Lighthouse, like I said, that's uh, kind of far up. Uh, but I think that one, that one in a distillery or maybe definitely ones we can possibly look at. Right. And I'm going to look and see how we can get there. So okay. we may be able to get there uh, from uh, Freeport better than Nassau. We're going to be in both islands. So right. it'll be good to go see that. I actually got a friend who lives in Freeport, not full time, but she has a house in Freeport that she, oh. and she actually lives in Louisville. So, oh. Well, her, hus her husband did very well for himself on some software that he sold for about $5 million and they retained him to, to run the company. So it's uh, it, life. It worked well, out. Why it worked can't out I do well. that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robin, let's talk about the cruise. Okay. So people ask me, I, I, these are in general questions, but I get asked all the time, is it going to sell out? And I tell them, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's not going to sell out soon, but we may sell out of the cheaper cabins because they only have so many cabins at the price that we, we've done them for. And, it, you know, so there may be spots available, but they may not be at the price we, we've given. So that's let's... correct. I mean, we've almost sold out the entire, what they call the category 4D balconies that they have available on the ship. So the next level is 2D. Well, the 2D is gonna be more expensive. Not a lot more, but it will be more expensive. So, and the ship will eventually sell out. R realize we're not the only ones on the ship. Right. There's people from all over the United States and the world that are buying this cruise. Not just for the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast, but just to go on a cruise in September, 2022. So we're, competing with other travel agencies, other people who are wanting to take a vacation that just so happens to be on September 19th of 2022. So we've got so many cabins in our inventory, but we're selling out of those fast. Who would have thought 72 cabins <laughs> already sold in just four weeks or less? Uh, that's what 
we've got right now. So, I mean, it's really selling like hotcakes and we're what, 18, 19 months. Yeah. I'm gone. It's, it's still a bit of ways. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a good time to bring up. If you want to uh, get booked, you said what, there's what, seven or eight of uh, the balconies left at that price and seven or right. eight of the interior rooms, which are actually the, the less expensive. Right. Uh, there's a couple of different ways. You can give me your opinion. I've had people say, uh, well, you're not going to spend any time in your room, so you really don't need a balcony. You're going to be spending, you know, you're going to be at the at the Bahamas from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then you're going to be eating, and you got other stuff going on in the show. You're just going to sleep in there. Why spend the extra money? Then you've got people that say, okay, that sounds good, but what happens if you have a day of bad weather and you want to spend some time in the room or Whatever the case may be, you don't want to get stuck in a room that you can't fully enjoy if the weather's bad or something like that, which is always a possibility you could have one day where it rains or something like that. What, right. What's your thought well, process? What, what you got, an interior cabin, just imagine, let's say you got a walk-in closet in your house. Go in that closet, close the door, turn the lights out and sit down or lay down. That's what you're going to be in for the cruise and you'll be in there what seven eight hours according to how long you sleep plus showering uh, and getting ready to go out so that is i mean if some people that that's their way of doing things that's fine because there's a lot of people that spend all their time out doing things all over the ship and the only time they come back to the room is to sleep and shower and, uh, then go back out and do it again now there's other people like me i like to sit in the balcony and have the door open and hear the ocean noises and look out and see where I am because there's going to be a lot of islands we go by and you'll see them lit up at night. And so I like having to sleep with a uh, sliding glass door wide open so I can hear the sounds and see the sights. So it's a total difference on, on what you prefer. And everybody has their own preference. Uh, sure, there's a lot of people that get an inside cabin and all they do is sleep and then they're out and about the rest of the time. There's other people that will have maybe a Danish and a coffee in the morning before they go out. My wife, I, I better not speak too loud. She's around here somewhere. <laughs> uh, she won't let anybody see her without her makeup and everything on. So she will order a coffee and a Danish and sit on the balcony and enjoy that before she gets ready for the world to see her for the rest of the day. Uh, so that's why we get a balcony cabin. And, and it's also nice to enjoy while the one person is in the bathroom taking a shower and doing all that, getting ready for dinner or getting ready to go to a show, the other person can enjoy sitting out and looking out at the uh, sea. And it's just very calming. It's a nice way to uh, enjoy a cruise. Well, we're talking about that. There are other rooms available. We made, we made two types of rooms available, the interior and the balconies. Right. But there are other uh, suites available. Like uh, Tracy and I actually stepped up one level to a junior suite, which is a little bit bigger. It's got a full-size bathroom. It was only a couple hundred dollars more roughly. I mean, de depending on the situation, but it wasn't that much more. And, and you get a lot more for the uh, you know, a lot bigger balcony, bigger room, and a full bathroom. So those are available. You're not limited to the couple that we put out there. And heck, we even had somebody already buy what they what they call an owner suite. Yeah. Which that was fairly hefty in cost. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you own the ship and you got privileges like if there's a, a line to get off the ship, uh, 
they hold the line so you can walk past them and get off. You've got a lot of privileges up there in the, in the junior suites that you are in and the owner suites. So if I'm a peasant down in the interior, the royal court can get off the ship before us. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I didn't even realize yeah, we got so some. You got some, you got some privileges in addition to having a bigger cabin and, uh, a, you know, much more room to maneuver around and have a full bathroom and with a, a tub instead of a shower. And I, I'm a big person. If people, thank God they can't see me right now, but I am a big person. So when I get in the shower, things are tight. But we're on video, so they can see you too. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, that curtain hugs me like it loves me. Okay. And I'm a big boy. So, uh, but yeah, you get up into the bigger cabins like the junior suites, the owner suites. Uh, there's some nice ones. There's also a couple of ocean, what they call window suites, but they're not on a good cabin level. They're on deck two and they're down low. And it's just not the ideal situation when everybody else is up on deck six, seven, and eight, and nine, you're up higher. Uh, but if you want a window cabin, there is a cabin. Now that window doesn't open, but it's right down there almost on the water level. And what I tell people with a window cabin, I've been in a couple, uh, it's more for letting the sunshine shine in. It's not to sit there on your bed and look out at, at the scenery. You really can't see anything because the window is up high in the cabin. So you almost have to stand on your tippy toes to get up and look and see down at the water or look no. far away to see it. Uh, if you were to uh, just sit there on the bed or sit in your chair at the desk, uh, you're not going to see anything, but the sunshine will be coming in. So you'll know whether it's 12 noon or 12 midnight, but that's all that window does. It's really, the window is probably the, the most worthless cabin on the ship. And that's why a lot of people don't sell them. And that's why the ship don't have a lot. It doesn't have a lot of, they have a lot of interiors and they have a lot of balconies, but not a lot of window cabins, but we'll sell it if somebody wants it. Robin, the question I get asked probably more than anything is, Hey, I'm new to cruising. I've never been on a cruise. What is included in my cruise price? Okay. That's a good question. Uh, in addition to your cabin, your sleeping area, your quarters, that kind of thing, uh, you also get all your food on board and you get coffee, tea, milk, and juices. Let me say that again. Coffee, tea, milk, and juices are free. If you want a soft drink like a Coca-Cola or a mixed drink, you'll pay for that. And there are drink packages for that. So if you drink a lot of Cokes or a lot of soft drinks, you may want to buy the drink package, which I think is seven or eight dollars a day. Take that times four days and add 15 percent because they tack the uh, tip on there. That's what you pay. And you can drink 100 Cokes a day if you want to. So, I mean, uh, for a heavy Coke drinker or whatever drinks they drink, soft drink wise, uh, that's a good deal for the package. And you can buy one of those for the cabin and then kind of sneakily share with the, like when I got my kids with me, my son <laughs> will buy the Coke package. And when I want a Coca-Cola, I either order it from the waiter and show his card. You get a little card for cruising. You show his card, so I get it free. The only thing is you can't order two Cokes at once. Right. So, uh, you know, and there's like 10 waiters walking past you every few minutes. So you'll never have the problem of getting the same waiter, figuring out what's going on. Uh, but, uh, you can do that or uh, you go up to the bar 
and show the card and they give you a Coke and then your son goes up to the bar and gets a Coke. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do the Coke card. I just wouldn't recommend buying a Coke card for everybody in the family, unless the family is going to do 15,000 different things, not, a, you know, apart, not together. Just the, soft uh, drink. the drink card, the drink card for alcoholic beverages, that's a little more expensive. You're going to probably pay around 60 to 70 a day, but you're, you're guaranteed or can drink up to 15 drinks a day, alcoholic drinks. That's a lot of drinking uh, a day. And, and uh, in that case, everybody that's 21 and over in the cabin has to buy it. They kind of cut that loophole out. I think the cruise lines know everybody only buys one drink coca-cola card but uh that you're going to buy if you're going to buy liquor everybody in the cabin has to buy the liquor what about bottled water is that included in any of the drink packages or is that completely separate uh yeah it's in the drink packages it's not free but i will tell you the water on board the distilled water and they got these dispensers all over the ship they're fabulous i mean it's what i do i take i walk on with a like a big bottle of water and once i drink that i just go fill it back up at the dispenser so you can go in the see the nice thing about this is the uh, buffet of cafeteria is open 24 7 so there's always some food and something going on where you can eat you will never go uh, hungry on these ships and then they got the sit down dining the nice dining that's where we'll all, most people just do the nighttime dining there so for lunch and for breakfast there's the big buffet upstairs that everybody goes to and that way you can pick out what you want. And it's a gazillion different things on that uh, buffet. Like for the English people, the British, they have baked beans on their breakfast buffet. So, cause English love to eat baked beans. Hmm. And you know, for Canadians, they have Canadian bacon. <laughs> uh, so uh, not only do they cater to just Americans but they cater to all nationalities that'll be on board. And the food's phenomenal. And then they have several stations where for breakfast, uh, for instance, they'll have an omelet station. And you could holler out what you want in your omelet and they throw it on there and make the omelet special for you. So there's a lot of different eating options, but all your food's included, so don't worry about food. And as far as the drinks, coffee, tea, milk, and juices, which they have stations all over the dining areas where you can get those all day long. So. Uh, if you want a cup of coffee at two in the afternoon or two in the morning, you, you can get that. They'll have that available. They also have room service, which is free. So you can order room service. My son, you know, God bless him. He's 27 years old, skinny as a rail. You know, I look at the chocolate chip cookies and I gain weight. <laughs> He'll order 12 chocolate chip cookies and three glasses of milk at midnight after he comes in from hitting all the discos and bars and eats those chocolate chip cookies and uh, drinks the milk. And I'm sitting there staring at him, starving, you know, because he's eating, he, and I'm gaining weight while he's eating all that. So uh, room service is fabulous. That would probably be the only person on the whole staff that's not getting tipped through the tip system that we'll talk about later. But uh, so I would throw him a dollar. A dollar is a lot of money to him. So a dollar when he brings you something on room service. Now, there are some specialty restaurants that do have an upcharge that you, that you do have to pay for. Right. For about $20, $25, $30, depending on which restaurant you go to, like a steakhouse. And they're more set up for two people or four people. It's not big 
Right. Uh, it's they're set up where they uh, they got like three waiters that wait on you all the time. Your water, you take a drink of water and they're filling it back up. Uh, so they're there. It's more romantic. Uh, it's nice to go to uh if you got a special occasion like an anniversary or a birthday or something like that they are nice everything in there is made to order so you do have a little longer wait when you get your food because if you want a big old steak at the steakhouse they'll bring it to you it's fabulous but you can get a good steak in the regular dining room too so don't get me wrong on that it's just that you're in a big dining room with a lot of people so it's a you know it's a little more quiet a little more romantic uh on those specialty dinings and uh, you got an opportunity along about 90 days before the cruise starts, everybody will have an opportunity to go online and order uh, if they want that specialty dining, what night they want, set up an appointment, do that kind of stuff. They'll also be able to buy the drink packages if they want to do that in advance, or you can do it on board. So once you get on board and you want to make an appointment uh, for that, you can do that. And of course they got the same thing for spa treatments. So if you want to do any kind of spa treatments, you pay for that. There's a bunch of activities on board. Obviously, you've got a casino. You've got uh, tons of, of just games and fun and water park upstairs and, you know, slides and all that stuff. All that obviously is included for the most part. So Right, right. That's all included where you got the you got the wave pool where you can learn to surf or buy a boogie board or whatever they call it. I don't do it, but it's amazing because it's real rapid water running across like a canvas. It's almost like those kind of canvases that you have trampolines on. So uh -huh. you can get, if you fall, you're going to bounce back up. So, uh, but they got the water running. That's a fun thing. They got an ice rink in the daytime. Now this is in the middle of the Caribbean where it's, you know, 80, 90 degrees. And here you've got this ice rink. And in the daytime, you can get out there and ice skate for free. And then at nighttime, they have Olympic skaters. They get out there and do Olympic skate show. So, and we'll be able to go to the shows. We're going to work everything, dining and everything, and y'all's meetings and stuff will be coordinated with all those shows that are going on. Uh, they have another night in the promenade. The promenade is a, just a big open area in the middle of the ship. It's kind of like walking down a mall or something. Uh, they have a lot of parties there. They have the, the 70s night where they do, uh, you know, YMCA, the village people, and disco music. They'll do that. They'll have a uh, country and western night where everybody's dressed up like cowboys and stuff. They'll have a whole bunch of different things going on in that promenade, which is a whole entertainment uh, venue. Then they have a huge theater, which, and all this is free now, a huge theater where they'll have a uh, comedian. They usually have a magician. Then they have a big singing, dancing, kind of Broadway-type show, uh, and they'll be going on. So there's so much going on. And then late night, you got, of course, the casino. You got the disco. You got a jazz bar. You got a piano bar. Uh, you cannot – you you will sleep when you come home. <laughs> Enjoy everything on the ship and, and maybe just get a couple hours of sleep. That's what I do. I mean, between hitting uh, the disco late night and the schooner bar, which is like a piano bar, uh, it's phenomenal, where you sing along with the piano guy, do that kind of thing. The comedians are great. You'll enjoy the comedians on board. And the magicians blow me away. I don't know how they do what they do. But, I mean, they're big time. They're Las Vegas magicians that come out there. Or they call them illusionists. I don't think they go by magicians. Right. Uh, but they, uh, they bring them in from Las Vegas and 
Los Angeles and different areas like that. Comedians, same way. Most of the comedians have been on the late night shows. Uh, they've done all the, the comedian circuit. So uh, they're on board. Uh, so it's going to be a fabulous time. And all that's included in your cruise. It, uh, while we're on that subject of entertainment, of course, we're going to be doing a live show. Us and, and uh, uh, three other shows are going to be doing a live show. Right. And right now we've got it set up, which may have to change, but we, we got three meeting rooms that open up together, but that only seats like 150 people. And we currently are and we're uh, right there, we're right there already. <laughs> so we may have to go to the big theater for that. And the th big theater soundproof. So we can set up an area where we may have to go in there before dinner and do it or do it right after dinner, before the big shows start, before people start coming in. And they'll keep it private for just us because uh, they can handle up to 2,000 people in a group. So uh, there's no problem with how big the group gets. Uh, but 150, 200, we're getting close to our max on, on those meeting rooms and that area where we could be strictly down private, leave everything out all day, every day, and you can come down there and check on people. Uh, if we go bigger than that, we may have to go to the big theater or go to, there's another lounge that holds about 400 people we could go to. Oh, that would be perfect. And that's a, that's a lounge that's really nice too. And it's soundproof. Everything in their entertainment lounges are really good soundproof. So y'all could be on the stage doing your show and everybody sit out in the audience. There's like one of the lounges, it's like table and chairs, just kind of like a little, I don't know, bar or something. You sit there and watch everything going on on stage. And then at uh, the other one, it's more of a theater setup where they have stadium seating and that kind of thing. So uh, whichever way it goes, it'll work. I've been in groups where it's 2,000 people, and I've been in groups where we've had two or 300 people. And I've been in groups that's only had 30 people. And they can accommodate you any way you want to go. Royal Caribbean knows what they're doing, and they've been doing it a long time. Awesome. Uh, so they're good. And they assign people that will be assigned to us to make sure everything is going good just for the Hillbilly Horror Stories group. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about Perfect Day as far as what's included and what's extra out there, because it okay. looks like it's all kind of jumbled together. Yeah, the Perfect Day at Coco Cay, that's Royal Caribbean's private island. Nobody lives on that island. It is all beach and barbecue primarily. That's how it started out. You just get off the ship and you got the beach, the beautiful water around there to snorkel. They have all kinds of uh, uh, water toys to play with, uh, and then you can even rent like wave runners and things like that. Uh, the snorkel gear, I think, is like five, six bucks to rent the mask and the snorkeling, the fins, and you can go off and snorkel. There's all kinds of reefs and things out there that, like, they uh, uh, sunk an airplane, so you can snorkel over the airplane because it's made a reef where a lot of fish come around, and the fish in the Bahamas are absolutely beautiful. They got the bright blues. They've got the yellows. They've got all kinds of fish swimming around there. I don't know if you eat those, but their colors are absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so you can do that off Coco Cay. Uh, and, and then the other thing is their uh, chefs get off the ship and have a barbecue. So you got a big pavilion like a, you'd have in a city park or something. And there they're cooking hamburgers and barbecue and all kinds of things. And all this food is free. Here again, you only pay for your drinks. Uh, so you get off and you have the food and they have, you know, potato salad. It's like a barbecue or a picnic. 
that the chefs cook for you there. So you can, that's your beach and barbecue day primarily. Now also Perfect Day has a water park. It's got North America's largest water slide. So you can actually slide down the tallest water slide in North America. Now they do charge for the water slides and it's a nominal fee. I think all day is like 80 bucks. Uh, if I, I think it's right per person, it's depending on your age and the time of year that we're going. And they don't have prices out for 2022 yet, but that's roughly the price. They also have a zip line where you can zip line the whole island uh, and, and they charge for that. And then they also charge for a helium balloon that takes you straight up like a hot air balloon, takes you straight up and you get to see the whole island and you stay up there for 20, 30 minutes and then you come back down. So they, those are the only three things that they charge other than the drinks that you're buying. Everything else is free on the island. So they got swimming pools. They've got all kinds of beaches. They got adults only beach. They do have a specialty restaurant uh, on the island that if you want, just like the steakhouse on the ship, that if you wanted to go eat something other than barbecue, you would pay a nominal fee to go to that. Uh, but why? I mean, barbecue and all that's free, unless you just hate hamburgers, uh, and uh, barbecue sandwiches, pulled pork, and that kind of stuff. And you um, can stay on the ship and eat too, right? Oh, yeah. The ship's going full tilt. When people get off, and most people will get off at these islands, you can stay on the ship. It, everything's going. Food's being served. Weight service is there to wait on your hand and foot. It's like your own private yacht. You can lay around the pool and nobody be out there but you and the big screen TV that they have out by the pool. So, I mean... There's a, I mean, there's advantages to not getting off, but if you're a beach person, Coco Cay is where you want to go. The beaches are sugar white. You can walk right off very uh, gently into the water. It doesn't get deep immediately. It walks off uh, very shallow and you get out there and you can snorkel. And like I said, if you want to rent wave runners, uh, those kind of boats and things you can, they do have small sailboats, Hobie cats and stuff that you can rent also. So now they got a lot of fun things there, Derek. But if you just want to lay on a chase lounge and chill, it's free. Nice. So keep that in mind for uh, Coco K or Perfect Day at Coco K. So I saved the the biggest question, obviously for last: vaccines. Where are we at right now with the cruise industries as va as vaccines, and what do you know or what do you think may happen by the time we get to our cruise? Okay, here's what uh, I know today. Uh, there's no cruises really going out of the United States. The CDC won't let them go. And I think a lot of that's political. Uh, they're going to be starting to travel out of uh, uh, Bermuda and out of the Bahamas and out of St. Martin, the close ones for us. The cruise lines are a couple of them just to get started. They're going to start in June. And for those three ships that they're using to do this, they're requiring uh, everybody on board to have the COVID shots, the vaccinations. Uh, now, that's because we're in the early stages of this, you know, getting all the vaccinations and getting what they call herd immunity. So you would expect that. But these cruise lines in the long term, they live off of families with kids that are not required to get vaccinations and stuff. So I believe we're going to get to a point somewhere in 2022 where you don't have to have a, a COVID shot. We don't know that yet. Right. But, and I'm not the decision maker, 
But if we were to look at it sitting here today, the cruise lines want to get everything back to normal as it was in 2019. So, which means no inoculations, uh, going on the cruise, not wearing any mask, uh, making it a fun vacation to do what you want to do. And they don't want to dictate how what shots you have to take. They never have dictated shots before for people like the Zika virus or uh, pneumonia. They've never dictated where you have to have those to get on a ship. And they, they want to be back to that point. It's just the problem is we got to get to that, I guess it's called herd immunity before you can actually do that. So what, it, what you're going to hear in the short term between now and the end of this year is yes, you're going to need a, a vaccination. But I do believe as we get into 2022 and things keep going, they're going to release that up a little bit as we go. And hopefully by September, there won't be a requirement. That's why I believe right now. Okay. The other most common question that we get, and this will be the last question about the cruise, passports. Do you need a passport to go on this cruise? And can it be done without a passport? Uh, yes, you can go without a passport. It's highly recommended, uh, and we recommend it, that you do a passport because to, to go out of the country, you need a passport. But for cruises, they've got this thing where you can go round trip, which means we're going starting in Miami and ending in Miami. You can take your state-issued or government-issued birth certificate. Those are the ones that don't have your feet on them. If you got your feet on your birth certificate, your feet, your real feet are not getting on the ship because those are for show. But if you got a state issued or government issued birth certificate uh, in Kentucky, it's a state issued in Indiana. I think it's county issued uh, birth certificate and your driver's license. If you're over 16, you can get on the ship and cruise round trip. Now, the only negative is if you were to break a leg in the Bahamas, you can't fly back home. You have to cruise back in because you got to go round trip. That's the rule. With, with a, and if you had a passport, you could fly back in. Let's hope nobody has a broken leg, but I'm just using that as an example. As long as you round trip, start in Miami and end in Miami on the cruise, you can use a birth certificate and your state-issued driver's license. If you don't have a driver's license, you may have to get a state-issued ID but it has to be government issued. You can't use your uh, Sam's Club card with your picture on it. You gotta, you gotta go and get a real state issue. And your state issue birth certificate, uh, you can feel the state seal imprinted on there like, like a notary print. Uh, in Kentucky, we can all go to Frankfurt or call Frankfurt or apply online and get your birth certificate. And they will send it to you. I think it's $12 now. Yeah, we got ours. If you can't find your birth certificate, do that. Now, in Indiana, you got to go to your county courthouse where you were born, the county you were born in. And there's other states. I think Ohio does the same thing. So and if you're in Ohio, you got to go to your uh, county courthouse and get your birth certificate there. But in Kentucky, it's at the state level. So if you're going to do... A birth certificate and driver's license, that's the way. Kids 16 and under don't have to have, uh, they have to show their birth certificate, but they don't have to show their driver's license. And a lot of people say, well, you know, my maiden name is, you know, Doe, and now I'm Smith. And they go, that's okay. They will match the, the driver's license birth date to the, the birth date on the birth certificate. 
So make sure those two birthdates are the same <laughs> if you're going, okay? Because I've had people go, my birth date on my driver's license is different from my birth certificate. And I said, well, you've got to go change that. I can't help you there. Uh, but that's the, the people with their maiden names and how they have to do that. Now, the important but you can go, I recommend, if you can, strongly recommend a passport. They're easy to get, $110, and they're good for 10 years. So you can go to get your pictures made at a Walgreens, CVS, uh, Sam's Club, Costco, uh, or at the post office, and then fill out the form and send that with your birth certificate in. You will have a passport book. You want the book because the book, you can go anywhere in the world with the book. If you were to drive to Canada today, you would need a passport, either book or card, and in the same way driving to Mexico. If you were to drive to Mexico, you're going to need a passport book or card. Uh, now, if you were to fly to England, you'd need a passport book. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. If you're flying, you're going to need a passport. But if you're cruising round trip, you can use a pa uh, birth certificate and driver's license. Here's what you pointed out to me, though, uh, uh, the beauty of having the passport. If you're if you don't have a passport, you want to make sure you get to Miami at least a day early, because if something happens and you miss your flight and you miss that boat, they you're not going. They can't fly you to the to the island where the boat is because you don't have a passport. You are correct. You are correct. I mean, so I mean, we recommend everybody go a day early to the port anyway because you don't know what's going to happen with airfare or airlines. I mean, you could have storms, you could have anything that would delay your flight from getting in before the ship departs. And the ship's going to depart at like four o'clock on Monday. You really need to be on board by two o'clock because they do the mandatory lifeboat drill and that stuff. And everybody has to be on board and go to that drill. I mean, it's like men and women first, I mean, women and children first, and men in the back, and they do the whole thing about that. So it's very important that you get to Miami, and more importantly, you get to Miami before two o'clock. I always tell people, if you're going the day of, get in there at noon. But I really recommend you go the day before, take the anxiety out of it. Because if you've got to get in there by noon, more than likely, here in Louisville, you're leaving at 5, 5.30 in the morning to get down there. Well, you feel like hell the next day, or the day you're down there, you have to dinner you're going to bed you're not getting to enjoy what's happening on the ship because you're so tired so uh i'm not trying to sell a hotel room but people uh need to go in on saturday or just sunday excuse me sunday at least to get there for the ship on monday that's my recommendation it takes all the anxiety of worrying about getting to the ship out of the equation and if not also you not getting there your luggage may not make it so you got to worry about your luggage, your clothing that's coming, because you know how how many times has your luggage uh, not been on the same flight as you? So that's why we recommend people go in. And we're going to have, come November, we're going to send out a letter to all the people that are booked about uh, their uh, going in early. And we're going to negotiate hotel prices, depending on the amount of people. We're going to have hotels at the Miami airport. We're going to have hotels in Miami Beach, hotels near the port. So people could choose and pick their price range and they could go in if they want to stay just Sunday night, that'd be fine. If they want to come in on Friday night and be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing, we can do that uh, and enjoy Miami, make their vacation a little longer. So we'll be able to offer a bunch of things. The problem is we're just so far out right now. We can't get pricing. 
So come November, in that time frame, we'll be sending out things and saying, here's some pricing if you want to consider that. And uh, we'll have some rooms there available for people at the hotels. I want to point out the fact that you are a full service shop here. You, you know, and, and people can, if you book your cruise, you can also book your flight and everything through Robin. Because if you book your flight through Royal Caribbean, and they somehow make you miss your boat or the airlines there, they'll get you to your boat. That uh, is correct, as long as you got a passport. As long as you got a passport. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, we always book the air through Royal Caribbean for people traveling, especially if they're going in the morning of the cruise. Uh, like I said, I preach go the day before, but if you just possibly can't, uh, we can get you with Royal Caribbean. And uh, we've got a lot of people that have booked on this cruise from the West Coast out in Washington State, Oregon, uh, California. Uh, those people have to fly overnight if they're going to go the day of the cruise. So if they want to get there in, by noon on uh, Monday, they're more than likely getting on the airplane at midnight on Sunday night or 11 o'clock on Sunday night uh, to fly all night because they they got to lose three hours right there at the get-go because the time difference. And then it takes about five, six hours to get to Miami from the West Coast. So uh, those people, they really want to come in a day or two early just to get acclimated to the time zone. Robin, I want to point out to everybody right now, they, they've had probably about an hour. I haven't looked at the clock yet. It's about an hour or so of, of listening to you talk. It's obvious you know what you're talking about. You're a super fun guy. And I want to point out that you're with Vacation Experts. You've been doing this for like 25 years. And we've known each other for probably about 12, 13 years. We, we did yep. something similar to this years ago that uh, a medical emergency kept it from happening. But that's how I learned about this. And, the, and, and, and I came straight to you rather than going to anybody else because you know what you're doing. And I want to point out to everybody listening Robin can help you with any of your vacation needs. So if you, you know, want to take a trip somewhere else, if you don't want to go on a cruise, that's fine. If you just want to set something up and you need somebody to help you with your travel needs, Robin and his family at Vacation Experts can help you with that. So it doesn't matter. And, you know, who knows that we, we plan on doing a cruise every year. But Robin had told me, hey, we could you could just set up something. If you don't want to do a cruise, you could do a resort somewhere. So, right. you know, but if you want to go to Costa Rica or if you want to go to the Bahamas on your own and fly in and not worry about a cruise, Robin can help you with any of those travel needs. I appreciate that commercial. Yes, we're <laughs> we're full service leisure agency, as they call it. We focus strictly on your vacations. We don't send people to Toledo for a business meeting. We don't do business <laughs> travel uh, or any of that. But we have sent people all over the world. We actually have customers all over the world. I've got a customer I was dealing with earlier today from Belgium that books through us. Uh, he used to be in Kentucky, but now he's in Belgium and he still books his trips through us. So we can handle people all over the world. We can send you all over the world and do send people all over the world. And each one of the, we've got over 40 agents here at Vacation Experts. And each one of us specialize in specific areas. Now, I've done 70, 75 cruises, most of those in the Caribbean, but I have spent a lot of time in Europe. My daughter, who's also helping out with the Hillbilly Horror Stories uh, cruise, she spent a whole summer in Paris. It cost me a fortune. <laughs> and, of course, she can tell you every bar where 
oh yes, the Australian boys hang out at this bar and the English boys hang out at this bar. I didn't pay for that, but obviously I did pay. For that. Uh, but if you want to go to Paris or anywhere in France, my daughter is a specialist in that area. I'm more of a specialist in the Mediterranean, uh, that part of the world. I'm a history freak, so I love that as well as the paranormal. Uh, and then as far as Caribbean, uh, I've been all over the Caribbean, whether it be at a resort or on a cruise ship. Uh, I love this job. I do it because I have a passion for it. And my wife and I started this business uh, about 22, 23 years ago. And uh, we built it today where we're one of the bigger agencies in America. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm proud of that. But we have 40 agents in Ohio and Indiana, Tennessee, uh, and in Kentucky. Most work out of their homes. And uh, so far, our model has been very successful. And we just concentrate on the vacation person. And we want to make that person have the best vacation of their life. And uh, we'll sell whatever the customer wants. Now we'll try to advise them on, you know, for another hundred dollars, you may be able to get this super duper resort that we've been to and we know about it. The one you want, we don't know much about it. So, I mean, we do advise people on different places to go. And sometimes we're advising them for to go to a less expensive resort. So it's not just a cost and we're not, money hungry people we're, we're trying to give you your best vacation that you want what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to book a vacation robin it, the easiest way is just to call us uh, our phone number in louisville is 502-899-7700 there's a list of people you can dial my extension's 800 rachel's is 808 if you want to talk to her about france and where the boys go in the bars uh <laughs> Uh, there's plenty of other agents on there you can talk to. We have two or three agents that specialize in all-inclusive resorts in the Caribbean. So if you want to go to like Cancun or go to Dominican Republic and stay at an all-inclusive resort, we've got one guy that goes down every six weeks. I wish I had his job because he's single and he can do that. <laughs> I can't do that. But he goes down every six weeks and spends a week at one of the major resorts in the Caribbean. So uh, we've got people that can help you out, which are, we, I got another lady that, you know, only specializes in Southeast Asia, uh, the Hawaiian islands and East. So she handles everything, uh, that way, Southeast Pacific, uh, Tahiti, uh, Bora Bora, all those islands, Australia, China, uh, Thailand, all those places she's a specialist in. And, uh, so we can direct you in that direction too. So, I mean, we've got it all where we can handle people and just give us a call, 502-899-7700. We do have an 800 number. It's 800-828-0008. But really, if you call the 502 number, it's easiest. Or you can email me. My email is rob at vacation hyphen or dash experts.com. Rob at vacation dash experts.com. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, vacation experts. We have a, a Twitter page. We have an Instagram, you know, all the social media we have. So you can, one way or the other, you can get a hold of us. My Worst comes to worst, email Jerry uh, at HHS, the Hillbilly Horror Stories, and he can forward it on to me. I was going to say, my know. guess is you don't know anything about the Instagram page or the Twitter or any of that, do you? No, that's where <laughs> Rachel and some of my younger agents, they deal with most of that stuff. So I try, I piddle a little bit with the uh, Facebook, but as far as Instagram and all that, and uh, 
like I said, my daughter, she must take 50 million pictures of herself every day to put on Instagram. It's crazy. So yeah, if you want to hook up with her, look at Rachel Troop. Look up Rachel T-R-O-O-P and uh, she'll have an Instagram account that's got a million pictures of her. Uh, <laughs> Robin, it's been fun, buddy. I appreciate all the insight. I appreciate all your help with the cruise and I'm glad you had some time to hang with us tonight. Well, thank y'all. And there's no question. I mean, if anybody has a question, call me. There's nothing too silly or too crazy. The only crazy question is one not asked. So please, if anybody's out there and saying, I'd really like to go on this, but I'm concerned about this or have a question about this, call me. I'll help you out. I'm not just going to sell you. If you call me and say, hey, this is, you know, something I, I've got a, a broken foot and I can't walk good. I may tell you, you know, either you get a wheelchair or a mobile cart, which we can help you rent, one of those electric carts, you know, things like that. I will help you uh, if you want to go on this trip. I guess that's a good question. There are, there, there are handicap accessible rooms, correct? Yes. And we've already sold a couple for this trip. Okay. So we, we've sold uh, uh, at least two, maybe three. Now, there's not a lot of them. So there's the, here again, this is where the early bird gets the worm. Book it now. And that's what we're telling people. If you book now, your money is fully refundable until July 1st of 2022. That's, you know, what, a year and three or four months from now. So, yes, you're putting down $100 a person, 200 bucks, but you can get that back if something happens and you can't go or you don't want to go or whatever the thing is. It's fully refundable up until July 1st. Now, after July 1st, the cruise line starts doing a, a cancellation fee on you. But until that time, your full $100 is refundable. Awesome. All right, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I look forward to your next uh, episode. Robin is so much fun. I'm glad he'll be on the cruise. A lot of you guys will get a chance to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. He's an awesome guy. Very knowledgeable know. for sure. I don't know if Rachel would be on there or not. His oh, daughter. But okay. She's fun too. Oh, good. Well, we were talking, <laughs> we were talking afterwards. She showed up right after we got through filming. I've got video of this I'll put out in a day or so. Uh, but she showed up and she said, pardon me. I just got through, uh, working out uh -huh. and uh robin was kidding her he's like if you ever go to her instagram page he said uh he said she's the, the selfie queen she probably takes about 15 a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well good for her so anyways thank you guys so much i hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you soon hope you have a blessed week guys we love you